Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm joined by John Bruce. He's my dad, a fellow pastor. Dad, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm struggling with my raccoons, but other than that, I'm fine. Really? They're back? Yeah, well, they've torn up my whole backyard. I think we're going to have to put in a new lawn. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but my lawn is primarily weeds anyway, so it's not a, it would probably be a good move if we're going to have a lawn. Did you know that I hate raccoons? <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> right, I've had a number of traumatic experiences, which I will not get into <laughs> now, but I can't stand raccoons. Oh. And this just further solidifies my hostility toward they're the raccoon. Gangs of raccoons in our neighborhood. They are. And, and they just, they're vandals. Oh, they're they attack so... people. Oh, they're horrible. They're horrible animals. Yeah. Don't email me about this. They're <laughs> horrible, horrible animals. There's my hot take. Dad, I got another hot take for you this yes. morning <laughs> on a completely different note. And this is a hot take that comes in the form of a question. Uh, but the question itself is a hot take. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, Dad, uh, the Niners season is upon us here, and I am tired already. <laughs> I am tired of people pontificating about Trey Lance. I'm so tired, and I realize they need something to talk about. But here's my hot take in the form of a question. Given the paltry sample size of Trey Lance, how is anyone qualified to give a take on Trey Lance? The only way you could know is if you played more. Yeah. No, he's he's played what, how many games? Um, I think eight and and one year of college. He, uh, yeah, there he has he has a lot of a lot of ability. He just needs a lot of experience. I'm just so tired of people pontificating about his future. You just there's no way to know. And this is why I wouldn't be a good sports talk host, uh, because in in seasons where there's you know not a lot of news in sports, this is what you have to talk about. Exactly. But. but it's it's just uh, it is uh, it is wearying to hear people pontificate about trailing. I agree, and at least at least about the night I've been listening to ESPN and on ten fifty, mm-hmm. and all they talk about is the Jets. That's all they. It's a, I'm aren't you guys embarrassed that the only team that is in the NFL is the Jets? But anyway, that's an, that's what. What bugs me? It's good. Should we go on? <laughs> yes. Raccoons pontificating about Trey Lance, <laughs> East Coast bias in media. Yes. You know what else bothers me, Dad? <laughs> is my inability to manage money. <laughs> and that's why we're talking about money today uh-huh. as we continue our series, Smart People. That's right. What Proverbs teaches about building habits. That's right. Proverbs is all about skill in living. In the Bible, wisdom is not speculative knowledge. It is practical knowledge. It's building skills to work with the grain of God's universe. That's what Proverbs is about. And so in one sense, Proverbs is about habits. Habits are skills. And so what kind of skills or habits should we uh, cultivate in order to live a wise life? Uh, That's what Proverbs really instructs us in. And Proverbs has a whole lot to say about money. So Proverbs tells us what not to do with money. That was last week. And now we're going to talk about what to do with money, how to manage God's money. So we've talked about the bad habits. We're going to talk about the good habits. Dad, where would you like to start in habits of a wise money manager? I think this may be obvious, but 
Probably not. So, um, and that is the first thing that Proverbs would say is transfer ownership of your money to God. And uh, the famous Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, including your finances, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I just, I think that money especially is so fraught with mistakes and perils that it should remind us that we are incapable of knowing the right thing to do apart from the leadership of God. And so the first step in wisely handling my money is give my money to God and give my financial habits to God and ask him daily, help, please give me wisdom here. I, I, I think of, of Luke uh, 1433, where Jesus says, no one can be my disciple unless he gives up all his possessions. Hmm. Well, if you look at the disciples, none of them gave up their possessions. Uh, so what's Jesus talking about? Well, he's talking about the ownership, not the use. And it is, it is giving up ownership of everything I own, everything I own, it belongs to God, and he can dispose of it. And then God gives us the use of it. So I think the first thing is to say, everything I have, everything I'll ever have belongs to God. It's for you to use, and you give me the guidance for that. So I think that's the, the first thing that I would, I would say. Yeah, and you view things differently when you're not the owner. Yeah, exactly. I might not drive a rental car very well. <laughs> and I probably treat my own car a little better, but my boss's car, yeah, he asks me to drive it. I remember when my boss asked me to drive his car somewhere. I was terrified of doing anything to it because yeah. it's not my car. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's someone of high esteem, someone I look to honor, uh, and so I'm going to treat it well. Yeah. And, and every dollar we have is a gift from God. It doesn't belong to us. Exactly. No, I heard it illustrated this way. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of taken from Jesus' parable of the pearl of great price, and uh, he said, you, you find this pearl, and so you want to buy it. And uh, so you go to Jesus and say, I, I want the pearl. I want, I want your kingdom. What does it cost? And he says, everything you have. And he says, okay. So he says, what do you have? Well, I've got, I've got $10,000 in my savings account. Okay, I'll take that. Good. What else do you have? Well, I just have a few dollars in my pocket. Okay, I'll take that. And, and, and he says, okay, well, that's all I've got. I said, oh, really? Where do you live? Well, I live in my house. Well, I'll take that. In your, well, I, you know, what am I supposed to do? Live in my garage? You have a garage? I'll take that too. And just goes through everything, going through everything. And then Jesus says, okay, now, I, all those things belong to me, right? Right, okay, well, you can use them. But you just need to remember who they belong to. Yeah. Now, that, that's a great illustration of, of it. Jesus doesn't take these things away. Rather, he blesses them as we remember they're his. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, anything you give up, he will return um, a hundredfold to you, is yeah. what he says in Mark 10, which isn't the prosperity gospel. It's saying that the, the blessings of living God's way multiply back to us in yeah. so many innumerable ways beyond our imagination. So it's, yeah. it's really just trusting that he has uh, the best for us, exactly. the good life, and that uh, he can manage our stuff far better than we can. Yeah. And, and so just trusting him. Yeah. That's good. I think the second thing from Proverbs about wisely managing your money is just simply give. Give. And Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord from all your wealth and from the first of all your produce so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
Proverbs completely reverses the world's advice about how to become wealthy. The world says get. Proverbs says give. In fact, uh, Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will be watered. You reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible is really strong on giving. Or as the ESV translates it, <laughs> one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers. No, I like want. that. You I like that? Yeah, that's you good. You like that? That's, that's good. That's, that's good. a pretty good translation. Yeah, you know? it is at times. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It that is the, probably the most counterintuitive thing Proverbs says is that giving is what enriches. Yes, yes. Um, that as Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think it goes back to the fear of the Lord because this is not something we would come up with based on our own understanding. Right, right. Uh, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and 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 God calls us to give because He is a giving God. And he's the one who knows it's more blessed to give than receive. That's why he gives. But he is generous and always looking how to enrich both the evil and the good. Mm -hmm. And he tells us, if you follow my example, you'll be my child. So he's really following his example. Yeah. Yeah, and it is a part of God's joy is this sense of abundance or overflow. Yeah. You know, the ever-blessed God. Uh, Paul calls him. I love that phrase, yeah, but yeah. this idea that that God is just a fountain of happy rest, yeah. as the hymn says, yeah, yeah. And, and that ultimately that's what giving produces in us, because yeah. when we relinquish things to God, it's as liberating for us as anything, because yeah. we're freed from our idolatry, yeah. um, our, our idolatry towards security, towards satisfaction and material things, all of that, um, yeah, and, and and so you, you've really got to believe that uh, to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have talked to so many couples about, you know, they they'll come to me with financial problems and stuff like that, and, and the first thing I say, well, how much are you giving? Yeah, and they'll say, well, we can't afford to give. We can't afford to give. We're just too great a debt. We're not making enough and stuff like that. And I'll take them to some of the promises in Scripture about giving, and. Uh, I say, you can't afford not to give. And many of them will step out on faith and start giving. And they'll come back to me in a couple of months, and they'll say, it is so much easier to live on 90% of our income and giving than it was to try to live on 100% of our giving, of our our income. And God just multiplies. He just... He, he just brings in extra money or he takes care of bills or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We are committed to this. When Once people do this, they'll never go back because they just see it really works. Yeah, and it's a conviction that I'd rather have my money blessed by God. I'd rather have less money but have it be blessed by God exactly. than have more money and miss out on God's blessing. Exactly. Yeah, it's not how much you make. Mm-hmm. It's how much is blessed. Right. Good. Yeah, that's good. Um. This one is a painful one. I think Proverbs would say, get out of debt and reduce your use of credit to be wise, to be wise in how you use your money. Yep. Proverbs does not forbid debt, but it does warn against it. Mm-hmm. It has nothing good to say about debt. Yeah. Um, 
Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Yeah. And that, that debt always leads to enslavement. It's mm-hmm. the loss of freedom that you have because you're now obligated to pay someone else for something. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. We talked about this last time in our episode, but could you say that like debt is sort of the financial equivalent of like alcohol consumption or something like that? Right? Hear me out. Like the Bible gives tons of warnings about drunkenness, yeah, but never expressly forbids yeah. alcohol, yeah. right? Wine gladdens the heart. There's lots of you know prophecies about the mountains flowing with wine, and so you've got a good gift, um, but the dangers, um, the warnings probably outnumber in, in a certain sense. Yeah, someone's going to correct me on that one. But there's a lot of dangers yeah. related to alcohol, and, and, and similarly with debt, there's not a blanket prohibition, but you can get drunk on debt. Yeah, it, it's. It's addictive. It is, uh, and and that and, and you don't see what it is doing to you long term, and right. the destructive nature of what this addiction is doing. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the the parallel I would give. No, that's good. Uh, biblically, that's good. So here are some questions that I think are helpful mm-hmm. in asking about use of credit, and and when to when to go into debt. Right. Uh, one is: Will borrowing compromise my ability to follow Jesus without reservation? In other words, will I be set up in a situation that I can't get out of? So if Jesus called me to go to another country or, or called me into another part of the, uh, the nation or whatever it is, well, I would not be able to do that because of this debt. Yeah. And I think for a lot of college students who are going into debt because of uh, going into debt for college, that is an important thing because if you're in a great deal of debt, your, your choices for a career are really limited because you've got to pay that debt back. Yep. So that would be one thing. Um, second, will borrowing make me less dependent on God? And and I the reason that is is because a lot of people, if you're not going to borrow, then you're dependent on God to provide what you need. And so you make you make good decisions. You say, God, if you want me to to buy a car, you're going to have to provide the money, or you're going to have to provide the deal, or something like that. But if, if I can just go borrow money for it, I don't even have to ask God about it. And you shortcut the development of faith. Yes, exactly. Instead of saying, I'm gonna, I want this thing, but I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to work and then trust that he'll give it to me in his time. Exactly. Debt gives the illusion of I can just have it instantly. Right. Um, and so there's no diligence or faith right. involved. Exactly. Exactly. So that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, will borrowing rob God? And, there, and it's obvious how that happens. I, how many people will say, well, I, I'd love to tithe. I'd love to give. I'd love to help out this ministry. Mm-hmm. But I can't afford to. Yeah. And the reason they can't afford to is because they're paying off debts at a fairly high rate of interest. Yeah. And so that is really, t- in order to have this thing, which they just as soon not have now that they've seen the result of it, they can't, they can't give to God, and therefore they're short-circuiting God's plan yeah. to bless them. Yeah, and so it, it it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle that you can't get out of yeah. because of debt. Um, third, will borrowing retard my spiritual growth? Mm-hmm. Is another question. Jesus said, "If you've not been faithful in the use of the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you?" And so, how we handle finances is one of the first lessons in God developing our spiritual uh, stewardship. 
and that's Luke 16, 11. And so um, in my rush to have something, am I really jeopardizing my spiritual maturity and my spiritual use to God? And that's a good gut check, because I think yeah. you say, I want to I wanna serve God, I want to be entrusted, I want to be trustworthy. Well, the ultimate thing to be entrusted with is people. Yeah. The, the, this person is placed in my care in some sense that I have influence over them in some way. That yeah. is the yeah. that is the weightiest responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the lesser responsibility is money. Yeah. And if I abuse money and am flippant with God's money, um, I shouldn't assume that God's going to entrust me with an image bearer. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, the, the, the money, you know, ha- has relative value. Humans, <laughs> you can't put a price on this. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I think that's a real gut check, is yeah. I, I really, to, 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 to be entrusted with leadership, I, I need to be trustworthy with finances. Yeah, exactly. I had a friend years ago who had graduated from Bible college, um, done very well there in his classes, and had gone to much of seminary, was slowly knocking off his classes for seminary. And yet opportunities for ministry just never materialized. He, he just he really wanted to be a, a teacher of the Bible. He wanted to be a preacher. He wanted to do all this. And yet those opportunities never materialized. And I always kind of wondered why until I began to watch his life. And he just was so irresponsible with money, always in debt, always broke, always you know impulsive purchases, everything. Finally, his wife left him. Because she just felt like she and her and the kids could not live with him, and and eventually he became a, became homeless um, mm. as a result, mm. just because he could not discipline his use of money. So, really had a hunger to serve God, but it didn't translate into financial discipline, and yeah. it kept him from doing it. Um. I think one one other question would be to ask, will borrowing jeopardize my family's future? Because often when we borrow, we assume we're always going to be there, that we're going to be able to make the money to pay this off and stuff like that. Don't think of, well, what if I were to die? What am I leaving? Am I leaving my family in a secure place, a place they can survive because of my good stewardship? Or am I putting them in and jeopardizing them if I, for some reason, am not around? To continue to work at this job, so I think those are some good good questions in in just it, whether whether I should borrow this for this or not. Yeah, yeah. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Yeah, right? you want to as much as you can. You know, you might not be fabulously wealthy, but you certainly want to position yourself so that you are not crippling the people who come behind you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A man who does not. Uh, Provide for his own household. He's worse than a non-believer, yeah. says Paul. So those are strong words. Those are very strong words. Yeah, yeah. It's almost it's like how I feel about raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> worse than unbelievers, man. I, I, anyway. So all that to say, how do you get out of debt? I, I don't have anything profound to say there. I just uh, figure out how you got into debt and repent, first of all. Repent of the attitudes, because if you don't deal with the attitudes that got you into debt, then getting out is going to be impossible, because you're going to keep making the same mistakes. 
Yeah, it's not a math problem. No. I think that's the thing. It's it's so behavioral and it's psychological. You yeah. have to change your relationship to money. Exactly. To, to just say, I can live on less. Right. These things I thought I needed, I don't need. The great. beauty of that is once you change your relationship to money, God's going to bless that. You're exactly. probably going to make more money. And it, and it creates a, a, a positive like yes. a virtue cycle where you're going to get out of debt quicker than you think. Right. Right. So I would say, repent. And then second, stop borrowing now. Yes. <laughs> you know, cut off. The... Don't borrow more. <laughs> yeah. And then spend less than you earn. <laughs> Revolutionary. Isn't it? There's a there's a Saturday Night Live thing on that. Like it's a funny thing. So you're telling me <laughs> that if I make this much, I should spend less than that. Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm butchering it. Max probably knows what it is, yeah. but it's it's uh oh, it's so good. Yeah, so, but, yeah, but then obviously you pay off your debts, beginning with the highest interest one first, and and uh, and then sell any unnecessary possessions, and then be patient, and you'll be amazed that has as you said, when you start making the ability, start trying to obey, God jumps in and helps you on that and encourages you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all that. So another financial principle we can pull is have a plan. Have a plan. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Proverbs 21.29, A wicked man displays a bold face, but as for the upright, he makes his way sure. If, if I don't have a direction I'm going, then any direction will get me there. So therefore, to be wise in your finances, you need to have a plan. What are we trying to accomplish yes. here? What, what am I trying to, what are, what are my long-range objectives? What's my current income? What will I need to save in order to reach it? Whether it's getting your kids into college, um, our, our uh, investments, or whatever it is, if you don't have something you're aiming for and you're planning for, then there's really no motivation to be in control of, of your money. So having a plan is absolutely essential. I remember early in our marriage, Cashel and I disagreed about money um, because we were newly married. Yeah. That's what you do. You disagree about money. But she'd want to spend something, and I'd think, that's dumb. No. And then we'd fight about this. And, you know, we, we created this artificial budget. The problem was, you know, we made enough, uh, and our living expenses were low enough that we really didn't need to budget. And, and so it created a problem, right? Yeah. Um, we were comfortable just sort of living in this stasis of not managing our money very closely. And the reason is exactly what you said, is that if you have no higher goal for your money than to use your money for things you enjoy, uh, then you're never going to budget. Exactly. You, you have to create a vision for your future Yeah. in terms of this is a legacy I want to leave, this is how I want to provide for my family, this is how I want to be generous in the future. This is, you know, if I'm anticipating living in this area, if it's a high expense area, I gotta, I gotta plan for that. Yeah. Uh, until you get really granular with the goals that you want, or or what you want the future to look like, you're just never gonna have that much of an incentive to budget, unless you're the person who's just barely making ends meet, right? Yeah. And you're just living hand to mouth, basically, or, or just from paycheck to paycheck, whatever that situation, but so many Americans aren't in that situation right. where they have the illusion of security because they make enough, but they don't have the discipline to budget because they just have no goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And, that's uh, it. and that's, so that was really, 
revolutionary for me early in my marriage. Yeah, I thought, oh, we have to have a, a, a vision that we're walking toward. And then, then you need a roadmap. Yeah. But we don't even have a destination yet. Yeah. Yeah. If you have no destination. Why budget? Yeah. Why budget? Yeah. Exactly. So having a plan. And then finally is save. And, and I think it's, it's easy to have kind of, well, I'm just going to trust God and he'll provide what I need and we don't need to save. And it was revolutionary to me to find out that, that Proverbs teaches the wisdom of saving. Um, Proverbs 6, uh, 6 through 8, go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. Well, what, what can I learn from an ant about being wise? Who, having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. The ant saves during the summer so it has food in the winter. Yeah. And so there's a principle, and, that, and Proverbs says that's, what, that's wisdom. Yeah, you know, it flips things on its head, too, because I think a lot of people, you can spiritualize so much of this with money that, well, I don't think that much about money because I'm just trusting God. Yeah. And, and that's an easy cover for actually you're just sloppy with money. Yeah, but, yeah. But the reality is, if you don't have some kind of emergency fund, everything is more expensive. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. The yeah. car payment's going to be more expensive. The late bill's going to be more expensive. This this fine that you didn't anticipate is more expensive. Yeah. You can't keep up on things as quickly as you thought. So it's like, oh, this is hoarding. No, hoarding is something completely different than just saving for the inevitable disaster yeah. that's that's coming. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and really, yeah, Proverbs commends that everywhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the people who save end up spending less money. Because exactly because they're more prepared for these things when they happen. They don't have to go take out a loan to buy the car. Yeah. They don't have to go or to get the repair or whatever. Or put it on the credit card. Or put it on the credit card and just hope that it goes away. Yeah. And and, and so it is. You, you end up being far more frugal. Yeah. With with surplus. Yeah. Than you would just kind of living. You know, spending on whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Proverbs twenty one twenty says, "There's precious tre- treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man swallows it up." It's just that uh, one of the marks of wisdom is having savings. Yeah. It clears that. And you can see, I think I mentioned that little book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a book on all the millionaires in America, and the average millionaire in America didn't inherit their mm-hmm. wealth, and they live in a very modest house and drive a very modest car, but they've practiced this principle, and they've just saved up money o- over time. Rather than rather than uh, wasting it, yeah. So I think saving is is definitely committed by Proverbs as wise financial management. Yep. Yeah, and we could put in there investing and, and just thinking long yeah. term about making your money make money. Yeah. And uh, and all of those kind of things. You know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about Proverbs and just the errors that that Christians can make, either veering toward a, a prosperity theology and just saying that more money is always better. And the poverty theology, which is just, you know, unless I'm just living in absolute poverty, I'm not really trusting God. Proverbs is is a very kind of problematic book for both sides of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it presents such a balanced picture. There is so much about the poor yeah. and concern for the poor and yeah. generosity for the poor in the book of Proverbs. Um, there are warnings against wealth and hastening after wealth and yeah. unjust wealth in Proverbs. And yet diligence, saving, investing, enjoying God's good creation are all commended by Proverbs. Yeah. And so when you get yeah. to the end of it and says, you know, give me neither poverty nor riches, give me the food that is needful for me, that's Proverbs. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, it. I don't need excessive wealth, but I don't want poverty either because both of them have spiritual dangers. Yeah. So, so yeah. give me what I can be entrusted with to manage well. Right. And, and I think the more you focus on that, the more you'll have kind of financial sanity, but also be effective for the kingdom. Yeah. You won't get so distracted uh, by either under-spiritualizing money or over-spiritualizing yeah. money. No, that's good. That's really a good point. That's really a good point. Yeah, God just uses money to discipline, to discipline us and train us in the kind of habits we're going to need to prosper in the spiritual area. Right. And I think seeing it that way, that the goal is not to be rich, and the goal is not to be poor, that the goal is to be a good manager, which means daily habits of how you use money. Yep. And, and whatever God gives you is a result, not a goal. Yeah. You, you, just, you just work hard to please Him. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then you, oh, look at that. I have money. You yeah. know, and that, 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 it's, it's a byproduct. It, yeah. it wasn't, the goal wasn't to hasten after the money. Right. So, right. That's good. Yeah. Good. Any other thoughts? That, that's the, the sum of my thoughts today. All right. Well, listeners, thank you. So go out, manage your money well. Don't pontificate uh, on Trey Lance. Uh, get rid of the <laughs> raccoons in your yard. Make small, good financial decisions. Hopefully, we got all that in, Dad. Lots of, lots of, lots of opining today, but also hopefully some biblical truth and some take homes for you. Uh, thanks, listeners. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>